Welcome to C-Suite Radio. Idly hey! Welcome to another episode of The Brett Allen Show. Prepare to be astonished! A pop culture podcast. Join Brett Weekly as he interviews your favorite celebrities from film, <gasps> oh, television, back in business, baby. comedy, and much more. Inconceivable! Plus, you never know who will stop by. Dude, we are so gonna party! Now, here is your host, Brett Allen. It's another episode of the Brett Allen Show, a pop culture podcast where we talk to your favorite actors and celebrities from film and television, music, all the places, Broadway, the far deep dark corners of pop culture. We are there and we're talking today with Marcel Spears. He, I mean, I've been looking forward to this conversation for a while, even before The Neighborhood, which most people know him from that as Marty Butler, but I want to rewind the clock back to the mayor because, (laughs) (laughs) um, and just all the other things you've done in between. Marcel, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me, Brett. Well, you laugh a little bit, but it's ironic because I, I was prepping for this interview. We've been working on it for a little bit. And it's kind of funny because I was thinking about this and I was like, I know because I watched The Neighborhood, obviously, now, which is the fantastic show, which is our focus. But just now I've already sidetracked us. But I was thinking about this. I was like, I recognize Marcel from something else. And I was like trying to put it together. And then it clicked the mayor. That was a great show, by the way. I have to say, as we get started, it was so unfortunate that it didn't make it. But that that seemed like probably one of the funnest shows to be a part of. Yeah, man. It was it was a blast. Honestly, the the mayor was... It was an excellent show that just didn't have the legs. It didn't have the audience. It didn't have uh, the the attention that around it that it needed to like continue on. I guess for ABC to continue investing in it, um, but it was so much fun. I had an awesome time working with that production team. Um, I, I made like really good friends at the network at ABC. Um, as far as like with the casting and like some some of the people that we got a chance to to meet and work with. And the cast that I worked with are, they were already friends, but they're literally some of my best friends to this day. Like I still keep in touch with the mayor boys. Um, Yvette is still very much uh, a, a mentor and a friend. Um, so like, it, like it, I'm, I'm grateful for that experience. I'm sorry I didn't continue, but it gave me lifelong friends and it set me up to be in a situation to where I could be on this show. Yes. So let's talk about the neighborhood, which is great. We've got Cedric the Entertainer, Max Greenfield, Sean McKinney, yourself, Hank Greenspan. I mean, Beth Beers from Two Broke Girls. I mean, Mm -hmm. this show is fantastic. And to have Cedric, he's been on the podcast before, as a head of a show, this is great because it's not just a show with a bunch of comics, but it's got comedians. It's got amazingly talented people. And the fact that you've got two adult men basically sharing space together. Um, th- this is a great show. How did you launch Pat into this project? Uh, because it's amazing. It's fantastic and it's hilarious and it's heartfelt. You guys talk about a lot of important messages. It's just everything you could want in a television show. A comedy, I would say, from my perspective, for sure one it was like it was luck like it was it was divine intervention 
uh, combined with a little bit of like luck and probably a lot of patience uh, <laughs> from from people who are like, is this going to work? I don't know if it's going to work. Um, I feel like the audition process for me to even become a part of the show was a very long one. I feel like I went to an audition like in L.A. before COVID a long time ago, before like the thing called COVID showed up, people would go to auditions in person. And yes. <laughs> actor, as an actor in L.A., you kind of get to know the people that you are often found in a room with. Like, you know your room. You walk into the room, you see the same faces because you're always up with those guys. Um, and that's kind of what the neighborhood was for me when we originally started. I went into my room. I saw the usual players in my room. And I was just like, okay, one of us is going to get a job. And I hope it's me. But <laughs> if it's not me, then I know that there's one less dude in this room this pilot season. I was just coming off of the mayor being canceled. So I was kind of like, I need to make something happen. Like I had saved up enough money from the mayor, I think to last me, I think it was like 12 months or 13 months or whatever. I'd saved up enough money to pay all my expenses, food, rent, et cetera, et cetera, in LA. Cause I was not in a position to go backwards. Like I had just moved from New York all the way to LA to do this show. And I, I couldn't go back. Like, so I was like, I have to find something here. Um, going into that room, everybody got released. Like we all went in, everybody got released. Nobody, nobody stayed. They dropped the whole room. And I was just like, dang, well, that was crazy. Then I get a call from my agent like, hey, Marcel, they liked you. They want to see you again. I go into another room with another group of young black actors. And I'm just like, OK, this is happening. That room gets scrapped. They're like, Marcel, they like you. They want to put you in another room. I go into another room. That room gets scrapped. Then they're like, they're like Marcel, they like you. They want to see you again for, was it a final callback? It was like we were testing. And it was testing slash chemistry read where they put us in a room with somebody who they were eyeing to potentially be the father of the show, gotcha. um, which is a really great actor. His name is Michael T. Uh, Williamson, uh, Michael T. Williams. And he's phenomenal. And I was in that room with Michael T. And I was in that room with Shion. And Shion was auditioning for Marty. And both of these men have uh, much more significant credits than I do. All I have was the mayor and some like off-Broadway stuff. So I'm sitting there, I'm just like, okay, if this is what they want, like if they want Shion to play Marty, then I stand no chance because what I do is very different from what he does. And if that's, I know Shion is funny. I saw him in Vice Principals, like the dude is hilarious. I was like, if that's what they want, I can't really compete with that. So I'm just gonna go in there and do what I can and we'll see what happens. And uh, it worked out. Like, I, I really give credit to CBS for believing in me. They didn't believe in me all the way because they said <laughs> a billion. Okay. I auditioned like a bajillion times because the network was like, can he do it? I'm not sure. Um, but I do credit uh, our showrunner, Jim Reynolds, and, and the show creator for like seeing me and seeing my work and, and understanding when I saw Marty on the page, I immediately knew who that black kid was. Like. He's a nerd. He's like really smart. He's very much a millennial. Like he is confident with like all the confidence that you get from being like a young person, very educated, like progressive in his thinking. And I just, I really felt like I had a, a cool take on Marty. I feel like I, I brought something to that character um, that is special. And I think Jim agreed and I'm, I'm grateful that he gave me the opportunity to, to do that.
Yeah, this is just a fantastic show by a long stretch. Going from single cam to multicam, well, my first question, do you tape with an audience or how does it work with your show? Because you guys move a lot, around a lot and are going a lot of places and doing a lot of things. Um, how does that work as far as production and getting this done, especially, you know, in light of recent events, you know, the last year or so? Yeah, so back in the olden days before COVID, um, season one and two of the show, we would tape in front of a live audience. And the funny thing is, like, a lot of the comments on, like, Instagram and Twitter would be, oh, my God, I hate the laugh track. It's so annoying. But that was that was real people yeah. really laughing every, every week. Like, we had 150 or, or something people in the audience. Um, and they would come. It would be fans of the show. It would be people visiting L.A., like, wh- however CBS sourced the audience. But it was real human people. Um, and I come from a theater background, so that was always like comfortable for me. It wasn't ever something that I struggled with. Like the transition from single cam to multicam wasn't hard for me. I know a lot of actors or some actors who primarily do single cam work or like really intimate like camera work. It's hard for, for them to trans transition into something a little bit more broad and a little bit bigger. You have to project, you have to play not only to this camera, but three other cameras and the audience behind. Like it's hard to sort of have that sensibility and move in space that way. That wasn't really a challenge for me because I've only ever known being on stage. Um, And we had a blast, man. Our audiences were great. I feel like I I can't wait until we find like a really safe way through testing or vaccination or whatever the network is comfortable with to like bring people back because the energy that you get from an audience and like the, if sometimes it will feel like a, a rock concert, like said, will come out, they introduce the whole cast, say will come out. He's obviously a master at working the crowds. So he busts down a couple of jokes and there's music going and our, our host is like rocking the crowd. It was so much fun um, that I miss it. Since COVID, uh, what we have is our show, it, we found it really difficult in the beginning for it to just be the crew, like it was crickets because they see it in rehearsal. Each each episode takes a week to make. We rehearse for um, about three days and then we shoot for five days. Uh, we shoot for two days. Uh, so it takes like a total of five days to, to make it, to like shoot an episode. Um, and the crew would just be sitting there like, because they've heard it all before. Yeah, they're not, the only people laughing, not even the writers probably aren't laughing at this point. They're like, It's okay. dry. It was real dry. It was <laughs> okay. real dry. And so we had to find another way to make it. Uh, what ended up happening is um, we would hire, I think the show hires like background actors to just literally just be our audience. So they get paid, they get a stipend on the days that we shoot to come in. All they have to do is sit socially distance apart. It's significantly less people than we had like 150 people in the audience, but they sit uh, safe distance apart in all the roles on our live stage and they just watch the show and they laugh. And I'm so grateful for them because again, it was, it was quiet. It was crickets. Like you being there, like killing a joke and you think you killed it and it gets nothing. And then it dies in a whole nother way. It's like, yeah, it, it was rough. Yeah. That's interesting. I had an opportunity to see a taping of the Marlin show before it ended. And yeah. it is just live action. It's nonstop music they're doing contests they're doing giveaways yeah because really a 30 minute sitcom i mean that was like a four and a half hour day yeah. i think from like 11 a.m till late in the afternoon 
And <clears throat> excuse me, when you're stopping and starting and mm-hmm. they're rewriting jokes like on the spot, if it doesn't land, it's very intense. So you came from New York to L.A. You mentioned you had a theater background. Was that what you were going for initially was Broadway? Were you interested in that or what what sort of like pushed you into the entertainment world and made you interested and want to pursue this as a career? Uh, I'm a storyteller. Okay. I'm a storyteller at, at heart. So I never wanted to limit myself to just one medium or one way of telling a story. So doing work on the stage was always something that that's how I started. Like that was, I'm like, I'm a theater kid. Um, so that was always the first way that I started moving, but TV movies are always like mediums that I would love to explore and play in. Um, I want to explore writing. Like I I just really like creating or interpreting stories and like reflecting the human experience. I feel like that's something that I have a a unique gift for. And I'm, I'm I'm, uh, among um, really, really really talented colleagues and, and peers in my sort of generation of actors sort of coming up in the business. Um, so yeah, like I I was doing theater because that's all that that's that's the work that I was getting. Like the whole time I was doing theater, and I had like a really really dope theater career doing off Broadway and regional theater. Once I graduated from Columbia, um, that's where I got my my MFA. So like I at first I didn't get anything, and then I was like getting some theater work, and then it became a little bit more consistent. And I was just like, okay, so this is something I'm able to make some money. It's not a lot of money in theater, but I'm able to make something. But the whole time I was auditioning for like TV and movies and I would get close to something and then I would get dumped and I would get really close to something else and they would go with a different choice. And so it was kind of that you take a million no's until you get to a yes uh, situation. I love it. Well, you and Shion and everybody are just great on this show. It is a lot of fun. It's hilarious. Again, as I mentioned, it's heartfelt. There's a lot of important conversations happening, which I think is great for television because not only are we getting laughs, but we're also getting and it's not preachy you know what i'm saying like yeah but it's good you know it's like okay this makes sense and it's great and it seems to be doing really well people love it one last question marcel you've had a lot of experiences in your career we talked about the mayor we talked about off-broadway and regional theater in your path as an actor and a performer was there ever a piece of advice that you received that has stuck with you that has sustained you that just kept you going that could benefit our listeners and people who have the opportunity to watch this now and, and down the road? Um, yeah, I feel like, and it's, it's, it's really cliche. It's so cliche, but I think the reason why it, it, it has become a cliche is because it's so true. You hear it all the time. And I feel like I've heard this so many times throughout my career from all of my mentors, from my mom, from like anybody who was like trying to pour into me to keep going and like keep fighting is to just be, yourself be your genuine authentic self whatever the hell you're trying to do like if you think you have a talent or a gift or you're passionate about something and you are willing to put in the work and grind for it because you love it that much do it as authentically as possible because that is inevitably what will make you different from everybody else like you hear these actors so many times say like the industry didn't want me or i wasn't this or i wasn't that or i didn't fit the mold of whatever the case may be And that's the thing that usually puts you in a position to get the job. I think if you are 
as as much or as as often as you can be just true to yourself and true to your talent and true to your gift and true to your calling that stuff shines through like it, it like it, it wins out in the end because you can't you can't really keep up faking it like i know some people like fake it till you make it but i think i think that's more of like manifesting the, sure. the opportunity um, but if you, if you aren't being your authentic self, like that gets exhausting. And that's how you get so many people who kind of like burn out or who like pursue this thing and then kind of fall off. Like you have to be as, as authentically yourself as you possibly can. So like stay, stay true to your roots. That's, that's the advice that I would give and, and don't give up because it's not going to happen overnight. It's not, it's not easy. It's a lot like, um, gardening, like you, you kind of, plant this seed and you nurture it and it'll be a while before you see like any evidence of anything growing and it'll be even longer before you can like get anything out of it a flower or a fruit or a vegetable like it's so it's gonna take a second but you gotta like put the work in there you have it we are talking to the super talented and kind marcel spears hey. be sure to check out the neighborhood if you haven't already it's fantastic and all the other amazing projects He's been a part of Marcel. Thank you for your time in the middle of your crazy schedule of thank production you, for joining me. I appreciate it. That brings today's show to a close. Goodly do. Thanks for stopping by. If you enjoyed the episode, feel free to share it with a friend and subscribe. It's absolutely free. The views and opinions of the guests do not necessarily reflect those of the host. Autobots, roll out. Go home.